0: you die once and suddenly you're not invisible. Explore the story of Heed, who was a corpse for a while but is back to life and trying to learn about just what had happened, only to discover the story is far stranger than that. Inspired by manga, Alter X Artifact is a new LGBTQ webcomic for mature readers revolving around magic and political espionage. This comic features fantastic elements, gripping storytelling, and impressive visuals that pull you into the strange but fascinating world of the comic. Alter X Artifact explores themes of magic, dreams, and relationships, all while deftly weaving a compelling mystery with eye-catching visuals. You're still in time to enjoy the exciting prologue as well, but you gotta hurry over on to the website. So, if you're looking for your next weekly webcomic read, you need to go to alterxartifact.com. That is alterxartifact.com. No, I, no. I, 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 I'm with you there, because I had, like, an ulcer at, like, 10 years old, so, like, I, uh, I
1: get yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, mine was in uh, high school, actually, so that was fun. All right! Hello, and welcome to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard. With me this week are Mike the Skeptic. Mike, how you doing? Well, I don't have
2: heartburn right now, so I guess I'm winning.
1: Hey, that's a plus. And we've got <laughs> Mr. David Davis. David, how are you doing? I also don't have heartburn, which is a blessing. Thank God. All mm-hmm. right. Or Eris or any god or goddess you want to thank. Oh, well, you know, it was a blessing. Didn't say where it was from. Yeah, it could be <laughs> from Satan. <clears throat> could be Godzilla. It, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first church of Godzilla should be a thing. It's Hell got yeah. God right there in the name. Mm-hmm. So. It's true. Oh, wow. Never thought of that. Uh so uh before we get going let's take a look at some housekeeping here uh first off we have got a new series called the distraction hole that is currently updating on our patreon and david i believe you said after this episode it'd be a great idea if we just start putting it in the feed with this show
0: yeah, what we're doing is each of us is hosting an episode to kind of, like, try out the format. I think it's gone really well. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I figure after we do this next one, which is a Mike
2: episode, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot's riding on you, Mike. Um, All right, it's it's now announced, so I guess I have to. I actually wrote stuff down now, so I think I'll be ready mostly. There, you, there yeah. you go. Slightly, partially.
0: But then, yeah, I think after that, uh, <clears throat> we're going to put the the show into the feed with Supernatural Selection, just because, fuck it, we can.
1: Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, it's it's all under the Supernat Pod banner, so it's added yeah. value. At, <laughs> value <laughs> added, more beans per can. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to. And if you'd like to hear those first three episodes, you can hear them free on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Sp- Speaking of, you would, if you would like bonus episodes and access to early episodes and at higher levels, actual merchandise, you can join us on patreon.com slash supernatpod. I mm-hmm. think that's it. Or you can go to patreon.supernatpod.rocks. Um, and I just want to take a second. We haven't done this in a little while. We haven't had new folk in a bit, but uh, I'm sorry. There's a cat directly in front of the screen now. Thank you, Conti. So, uh, thank you to our patrons: Man in Black, Eric, Mr. Eric R. Queen, Dave Holyfield, Holly, Ruth Ann Beverly, and Andrew Richardson. Guys, thank you so much for your donations and helping out. It is awesome, and uh, you 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 just you give us a giant smile on our faces, and, and you give us money every month. <coughs>
0: Hell yeah! Uh, speaking, speaking of uh, Patreon, though, we also do have a new Supernatural Sources.
1: Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just uh, went up tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, to tie in with today's subject, which we'll get to in a second, uh, I recorded a Supernatural Sources where I'm reading from a public domain story, so it's all above board and legal. Yep. So, yep, no no lawsuits for us. No lawsuits appending. No Nintendo ninjas.
2: No. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yeah, I've heard some stories. They've been busy this week. The lawyers.
1: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll I'll leave that though. That that'll be for net for uh, the yeah. other show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We don't and we don't want to piss off anyone that might send the Pinkertons.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Who are right. still around, which is amazing. Yeah, I also saw a
1: story. A story
2: uh, of who was it? It was 1%. Wizards of the Coast. Yes, yeah, like, so it was Wizards Wolf. of the Coast sending Pinkertons to someone. Yep. I'm
1: which, just sitting here going, Damn it, Arthur! Which, I guess, <laughs> technically, I was
2: kind of a Pinkerton. Kind of. Because I worked for the same company. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. You, you damn for, Pinkerton. For like seven years. Yeah, like yeah,
1: you did, for a while. But I was just some security chump. Yeah. So... This week, we're going to be swinging away from aliens. We're going to be swinging away from cults and, and bizarre fake religions. We're going to be talking about spooky things. Mm-hmm. I thought this is kind
0: about of a, a ghost theme, but also mm-hmm. not. I thought yeah. we
1: were just going to be swinging. Ooh.
0: <laughs> oh, that, that's for um, Distraction
1: Hole. <laughs> yeah. That's, who? Uh, boy, no, that's for that show that uh, Clark hosts. <laughs> now, the f- yeah, so uh, we're going to talk this week about La Llorona. La Llorona. Dios mía,
2: My Sharona.
1: <laughs> My Bologna.
2: Uh, la, la,
1: la, la, La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, David, what can you tell us about La Llorona?
0: Well, we're going to be taking a little bit of a dive into the subject of La Llorona. I could have easily said a whole lot more about it, but we'll get into that. Um, so... The fun thing about this week's topic is that there was no lack of material for
2: research. Oh, that's
1: always <laughs> great.
0: The the bad thing about this week's topic is that there was entirely too much material for research.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a and blessing I, and a curse.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I had to really force myself not to turn this into a series. Yeah, I think we can
1: start calling that episode creep.
0: A, at least every episode that I write has that
1: very real <laughs> risk of g- creeping into multiple, so. Whoa. Well, you know, I didn't think I would, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Episode feature creep. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, the the fucked up part about all of this is that it's still technically part of a series that we'll probably explore. Um. You know, because mm-hmm. La, La Llorona fits into a larger archetype seen around the world. So that's fun.
1: Yeah, I think at this point we're just doing sub-series about sub-series about sub-series, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, you know, I'm fortunate that, like, most of my sources this week are from academic databases I can access through the college I work at. So everything's been peer-reviewed, which is a nice change of pace compared to some of the insane bullshit we read week to week.
1: Oh, you lucky son of a bitch. I have been reading about the Archons this week, mm-hmm. and uh, it's dumber than Zachariah Sitchin.
0: Like, we read a lot of self-published stuff, and I'm not saying that self-published is bad, but a lot of the self-published stuff we read is absolute garbage, because that's um, the only way yeah. you could get that stuff out there.
2: <clears throat> yeah, when, we're, when you're your own editor, quality is not on the forefront. Quality
0: yeah. with a KW. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Koality. <laughs> Koality. <laughs> oh, brain and eats eucalyptus. Oh, my
1: God. You just give me a great idea. We need to have a special little character called the Koality Koala.
2: <laughs> there you go. He's, he's pissed um, off and just has syphilis.
1: He's our editor, the syphilitic Koality Koala.
2: Well,
0: we can make like a workplace accident, like cryptid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <I wasn't>. um, <laughs> this <is a> <coughs> Kevin, and you know what the name of the koala is? What? Kowalski. Ooh, I like this. <laughs>
3: um,
0: so I, I will have some other sources as well, less academically rigorous for like turns of phrase or whatnot that I'll bring up throughout the episode as well. Um, okay. You know, because you can't just read like dry papers, which, you know, I tend to go yeah. and dry a lot.
2: Um, yeah, you got to lube that shit up.
1: You're well yeah. dogging
0: Yeah, so there's some fun little websites and that sort of thing. Of course, you always have to, like, check the quality, but there you go. Of course. Um, But here comes the list. Um, My primary sources this week include La Llorona as a Social Symbol by Michael Kearney, published in 1969. Uh, I use this one with some caveats.
1: Okay.
2: Antisemitism.
1: Yeah. I'm just making a guess. <laughs> no, no, <not laughs> no, no. So that's what I've been reading. Yeah, that's the alien.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh. So we also have the Wailing Woman by Ida H. Atis, who we're going to talk hmm. about a lot in this episode, actually. Now,
1: that's that's the one that's actually about. Uh. Oh my God. Forget. Forget it. Uh. I forgot. That. Janice Joplin. There uh, we go. It's about uh, Janis Joplin. There you go. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't even have Janis Joplin
0: in the script when I could have done when I could have done that. So thank you for. Um. Uh, that's also the story that I read that's on Supernatural Sources. So right, right, right. If you want to hear my terrible Spanish beyond what you're going to hear tonight, <laughs> there's your uh, there's your bonus. Um, I also have Absolving La Llorona by Renee H. Trevino. Mm-hmm. Uh, evidence for a Developing Variant of La Llorona by Ed Walraven.
2: A very succinct title. Mm-hmm. Very.
0: Wailing Women of Folklore by Robert A. Barracat.
2: Now that one's got some pizzazz.
0: Mm-hmm. And then lastly, yeah. Thomas A. Hanvier's Legends of the City of Mexico.
1: See, that just sounds cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great like I'll I'll send you the PDF. I, although that's oh, technically, cool. I guess, like
1: no, fraud. no, don't do don't do that. Don't do <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah,
0: no, that's fair. Um, so I, I will send you snippets. There we go.
1: There you go. Mm-hmm. It may be a snippet of the whole book. I, but think, still. I,
0: I think I'm illegally allowed to like distribute ten pages. So, we'll figure that out. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, let's let's go ahead and dive into La Llorona a little bit. So, what do you two know about La Llorona?
1: Mike, I'm going to let you go first.
2: Um, Other than puns about the song, My Sharona, nothing.
1: <laughs> okay. My entire experience has been through TikTok videos of uh, Mexican guys driving trucks on uh, uh, Ilvit Night dirt roads and then coming upon a wailing crying woman in a white dress and then someone screaming and backing up like (laughs) at high speed back down the road while the woman runs after them
3: Mm -hmm.
0: that's it
1: that is that's my entire experience with la llorona
0: Mm -hmm. now uh there's also been a shit ton of movies right um uh, mm-hmm. one, one of my favorite like horror universe like continuities is like the Conjuring universe even though I only like uh, maybe like two or three movies in there. but yeah. La Llorona is one of those um, there is the subject of one of those movies in that franchise but yeah there, oh, there's okay. so many of them you, you can hop on Shudder, and I'm surprised they don't have like a, a La Llorona category. <laughs> um, it's just there's been so many. So you're um, saying
1: Pluto TV could have a La a channel?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. If there's one playing right now.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: So the the thing about what we have going on here, compared to like other spectral, ghostly subjects that we we have covered or and that we will cover, mm. um, this tale is folklore. There's no real like incident that we could trace back to being like the source of the ghost or anything like that. This is this is um. You know, stories of ghostly encounters are just that. They're stories. Um, There doesn't appear to be a historical figure we can really connect to any hauntings. Just pure folklore territory. Kind of like how when we handled, like, the American cryptids, right? Right. Um, Again, these are just stories that are passed around. And there are, like, associations that we can make. But there's no, like, definitive canon, like, historical, this is who the Wailing Woman was. This is when she died.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I just really hope this doesn't go back to taxidermy somehow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for real, right? Those poor kids. Um, (laughs) With that said, though, this is also really interesting because belief in a real La Llorona is pervasive. People have claimed to have had ghostly encounters with her. And mm-hmm. I, I would say that La Llorona may be the ghost of the Americas, given how widespread the imagery is regionally.
1: Well, you know what? Screaming and wailing women seem to be a cultural hallmark all over the world. And uh, I'm just glad our continent has one. Well, it's, it's more than one, actually. Um, we'll, we'll get into that a
0: little bit. But yeah, like we also are going to have to look at like the broader archetype. And I don't
1: intend that as a pun. Run right um, broad. Oh my god. So <laughs> now, um, now before we go on, I have a question that I didn't have a place to uh, really mm-hmm. throw this in. Is is this in any way related to the uh, the banshee?
0: You know, that's you know, when we cover like the larger idea of the wailing woman, like we'll get into like the banshee, but that's All right. also a kind of a, a separate thing. But okay. it's it's in the same wheelhouse, you know what I mean? It's like same, they, same, they, they but meet at different. the convention. They meet at the convention like every year. Okay. They have their presentations. Right. How to best freak out people? You know okay. what, what to do about TikTok. A seminar. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> so here we have this folkloric figure who is an essential story for many cultures, ranging from indigenous tribes of Mexico to the uh, mestiza and Chicano cultures of the American Southwest. Um, on that note, I will do my best to be accurate and appropriate regarding this cultural aspect. Um, I'm really gonna be pulling out what I remember from my Chicano study classes here. Um, I cool. live in I live in Southern California. My Spanish is enough to get around and get by, but my pronunciation is awful. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah, this will be fun.
1: Yeah, well, I'm gonna tell you right now, Mike. You can bat me up here. I I really know one phrase in Spanish, and that is "Donde es aquí." Yeah.
2: <laughs> and- And I I failed a lot of Spanish in high school. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. both
1: of us didn't do... Well, my Spanish teacher couldn't speak Spanish, so (laughs) all I I had to do was pronounce it better than her. Well,
2: Mm -hmm. I, I had her too, but see, here's the thing, just as a tangent. I thought about this recently, is that I did poorly in language studies in high school because... It's one of those things that actually benefits from doing homework. (coughs) And I despised homework. Yeah. Every other class I could pass tests without doing homework. But Spanish or any language, really, you need that kind of rote repetition to drill it in.
1: Yeah. I just, you know. Why Latin, Mike?
2: That was my mom.
1: Oh, okay. I I did not choose Latin. Is this something to do with Catholicism? No. I just think it
2: was like it was a misguided uh so i i took latin my first year of high school and my mom had chose my uh things i don't know why i didn't go i guess she didn't think i had to go and, and she had to choose my my uh classes mm. um but she she thought it would be easy because it's you know all languages come or all western languages come or a majority i should say all but majority of western languages come from latin so therefore it's probably easy right <laughs> look, look <laughs>
1: motherfucker, we all come from we all come then, from fish, and I don't breathe underwater, do and then, I? And then we all laugh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Woo! Yeah. So you know, <laughs> um, yeah. So like
0: the most laconic form of the legend of La Llorona is this: she is the weeping woman. This is her central trait, and what changes is around that core image.
2: Oh yeah, I, I remember her from uh from uh Left for Dead. The, the 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 witch you didn't want to oh, disturb mm-hmm. from crying Don't, otherwise. Do not you'd... startle
1: the witch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the you witch, the witch heavily
0: from that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's
2: plenty. I mean, there's probably all kinds of stuff that borrow from the iconic uh imagery of mm-hmm. this uh folklore. <clears throat>
0: So, I'm going to go and quote from an introduction to La Llorona, published on the blog of the Library of Congress from the American Folklife Center and Veterans History Project, written by Stephen Winnick in 2021. All right. Okay, so, quote, Looking through such stories, you'll find many variations. Sometimes La Llorona sees you from afar and pursues you, terrifying you as you flee toward your home. Sometimes she appears riding a horse. Sometimes she appears in your (laughs) horse-drawn wagon or in your car, warning you against bad behavior before disappearing, just like that other famous spirit, the Vanishing Hitchhiker. In some stories, an encounter with her is fatal. La Llorona is often closely associated with children. In some stories, she is said to wail for her own lost or dead children. In many of these stories, she killed her own children when she was alive and is doomed for her actions to be a wandering ghost. In other stories, she appears mainly to women who have children, while still in others, she kidnaps children who are never seen again.
1: It's a lot of variation.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, and we're, we're going to get into a lot of those variations, but, like, there there's some pretty, like, standard DNA for a lot of this, okay? So you have the weeping right. woman. She's usually warning, or she is a symbol of warning, um, you know, there's usually children involved. Now, whether or not she kills her children or not, that can vary as well. <clears throat> and then there's mm-hmm. also the associations with water, which that didn't really even get into, but that's a whole other thing.
1: That's so, almost like the stuff from uh, Asian culture.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah. And like, again, all of this is super universal. Yeah. And, and some, I don't know exactly where I went out when this impression formed, but, you know, every time I think of, you know, when Kevin, the little bit he did tell me beforehand or, of La Llorona. I think of a uh, Sadako. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. and it, I totally see
0: where you're going with that as well. Um, it's still like a different thing, but oh, it's yeah, still like obviously. it's got that DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the, the story of La Llorona is iconic in a real sense because of the associated images and themes which carry across regions where the tale is told. However, there are all these variations within the general lore. So, La Llorona has been seen as a vengeful figure, as a tragic figure, and as a predatory figure. In some cases, she is the tragic victim of conquistadores and colonialism. In others, she is a sad siren who lures men to their deaths. Mm hmm. Compounding this is that it, it is a story about a woman, and this carries all sorts of interpretations and biases to these stories and interpretations. And, now, and of course, different ones, depending on your on the uh, era.
3: hmm. So mm. like,
0: I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but women tend to have a very specific like ideas and interpretations forced upon them by society and culture that can be stifling and often reductive. Like I that yeah.
2: that yeah right yes yeah was, and and it's you know in our society yes but uh, in South America it's still you know more what we would think of as traditional or you know old school yeah they, they, they're 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 a bit I don't want to say behind I'm trying to think of a way to put this uh, magnanimously but I would say they they their ideas are more like steeped in like older tradition yeah right
0: well and you know the other thing like i i wanted to get into this a little bit but i'm not brave enough to get into it just yet because it Mm -hmm. was a lot of it was like trying to figure out how to how to phrase it but like this idea of uh, machismo and um oh right you know again like in chicano culture um there 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 is an issue with how women are represented so um like how all that connects to this, but I just couldn't figure out a way to like really articulate it. But that is like kind of an undercurrent to some of these interpretations. I feel like.
1: Yeah. I I can see that. It's all. Yeah. Like you said, I don't know that I'd be brave enough to jump into all that though. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Unless, unless you really know your shit, it's a, Quite the uh, shark-infested pond
1: to stick Certain, your toes certainly into. Certainly a minefield.
0: Yeah, we're a supernatural podcast, not a sociology podcast. So indeed. Um, um. So, any other thoughts, Kevin? Before I jump in,
1: I'm sure I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, what with us living in the South and in today's America and everything. Mm-hmm. So, no, yeah, perfectly,
2: I've, no, perfectly uh, straightforward and wonderful opinions on women in the mm-hmm.
0: show. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before we dive too deeply into <coughs> La Llorona and the variations and that sort of thing, like as a supernatural entity, mm-hmm. I kind of want to discuss someone essential to spreading the story who has a fascinating story of her own. Um, like, this is just something that it happens during research and the connections come together. So we're going to take a little bit of a tangent, but I think you'll both see that, like, there's kind of a reason I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So one of my sources was by an author named Ida Hillis Adis, and I looked into her background, and I found a lot of okay. interesting stuff here. So, born in 1857, Ida Hillis Adis is not the originator of the legend of La Llorona, as variations have been found dating back centuries in Central America. However, she is a central figure into the spread and adoption of the legend in the United States. And her story is kind of tragic and mysterious. Hmm. So I am going to draw mostly from a Wikipedia article on her just to kind of get the timeline I went through and I checked the sources and everything like that. Um, you know, because, again, like y- you got to do your research. You can't just copy Wikipedia. Right. But I'm using right. it as kind of like the outline and structure here. So, um i I've vetted it the best I can, as it does a good job of outlining her life and experiences. Okay. Now, Yita H. Ades is widely considered to be the first American writer to translate Mexican oral stories and histories into English, many of which were published by The Argonaut, which is a newspaper in San Francisco.
1: Now, I'm just going to say I really feel like I need to get this uh, in my library, along you know alongside my copy of Yeats uh, Irish Fairy and Folk Tales if you're a <clears throat> writer and you don't collect stuff about folk tales you might want to start
3: well, and
0: also speaking of sources, um, one of the sources that I used for this, which was the oral history of Mexico, I think it was. Uh, that's mm-hmm. on Project Gutenberg, and that has okay. a ton. Yeah, a ton of like stories of and ghosts and creatures from Mexico City. Um, so that's linked here in the document, I, you know, I linked a bunch of stuff where I could. Um, so okay, there you go. Cool. Awesome. So Yida was born in 1857 in Leavenworth, Kansas. And as a child, would move to Chihuahua, Mexico, at the outbreak of the Civil War. Now, her father, photographer Alfred Shea Atis, uh, who himself is a significant and problematic figure, um, would introduce Ida to the western frontier, taking mm-hmm. her to the wilderness, to villages, and all the like all over Mexico and California. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So at 15, she moved to Los Angeles... And later graduated in the first class of Los Angeles High School. One of the first of seven total students. Holy crap,
1: really? LA mm-hmm. High School? Isn't yeah. that still
0: around? Uh well, I mean, I'm I'm sure or like there's a version of it. Right, right. You know, I'm just thinking of like how many I think like there's a million kids or a couple million kids in the, the school district in LA right now. So like it's just it's weird yeah. to think about that.
1: One of the first seven.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Yida was a writer who was notable for being one of the earlier examples of a successful travel writer, which mm-hmm. was a bit of a novelty
1: for the 1800s. Um, like, So yeah. think like Anthony Bourdain, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and those always sold well because people didn't travel that mm-hmm. much.
0: Um, so she was most notable for her short stories drawn from Mexican oral sources, and mm-hmm. her writings would be published in many papers across the U.S. and Mexico. While she mostly published under the Argonaut for a while, you know, there's, these newspapers would send stuff out to other people and everything like that. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's like the, you know, uh, uh, the Associated Press, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing where you you get your story from the AP wire and it's published all over the world in different uh, different papers.
0: Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if, like, some newspaper guy from back east gets a copy of something from back west and just publishes it without, like, permission, right? You know, there's no real um, organizations that are controlling this stuff. Anyway. Right. um, Now, Ida has a fascinating life that suits her to tell the tale of La Llorona. Uh, Mm -hmm. Around the mid-1880s, the publisher of the Argonaut introduced Ida to one John G. Downey. A man in his sixties and the former governor of the state of California. Dang. Adis and Downey were soon engaged. uh, Were soon engaged, but Downey's sisters, learning this, shanghaied him to Ireland. What the hell? Um, So my guess is it was a money thing. (laughs) Like they they did not. They did not want anyone else getting that like nest egg.
1: Uh huh. I was gonna say it could be some form of racism. Who knows? Well, she she isn't, like, um, Latino. Oh, sure. But, you know, yeah. she yeah. lives in Mexico.
0: You know, you know she's, um, yeah, like, she had a tan, so, like, holy shit, right? Oh, now. no. <laughs> so she's, um, not,
1: she's not snowy white.
0: Right. Get her brother away. So, so what Anis would do is she would sue for breach of promise and leave for Mexico City to write for the newspaper Two Republics. Okay. While there, she caught the eye of the editor, Theodore Gesterfield, or Gesterfeld, whose wife sued him for divorce, naming Yita as the co-defendant. Because mm. she assumed Yita and
1: uh, Theodore uh, oh, yeah, were together. Yeah.
0: Now, Gesterfeld did admit to adultery, but not with Yita.
1: Damn. Right? Um, Damn son.
0: So then Yita would soon move to Santa Barbara for a writing job and met Charles Stork. And These the two names. would eventually marry.
2: It's quite the menagerie of names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, <clears throat> however, Yida later claimed that Stork and his teenage son, Tommy, were violently abusive towards her. So Stork overcompensated for this by suing her because she was insane. And I put that in big it's, air
2: quotes.
1: Can, can you really sue for in, for You're crazy.
2: I'm going to sue you. I, I wish there's plenty of people I would sue for that. Sure. I'm mm-hmm. so, not going to name names, but <clears throat> <Trump>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So, Nita lost this trial, and she made the suggestion that her attorney, Grant Jackson, was working for Stork the whole
1: time. And who the hell's going to believe her, because she just lost a trial that said well, she And then crazy. also, she's a woman. Yes. <laughs> she's That's the hysterical. most fucked up Her heart, uterus right? is attacked in her brain.
0: So, so God uh, God. obviously, there's like a low point for her, so... Yida did what anyone would do and broke into her lawyer's home, wielding two 38s and firing at least
2: once into the floor. <laughs> what I the mean, fuck? you know. Gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah,
1: sure. Okay. This is this is very southern sounding though.
0: <laughs> right. It's a, yeah. it has a very southern gothic qual. Like Faulkner could've wrote this.
1: Yes, I was Holy gonna shit. say this. <laughs> Holy shit, <laughs> I'm getting
0: <laughs> Sound and Fury flashbacks.
1: Um, yeah, I'm I'm sitting here thinking this is a Tennessee Williams play.
0: <laughs> right. So she ends up going to jail, and she spent eight months in prison. She was then later sentenced to serve a year for a libel case. Mm-hmm. likely related to her claims about her lawyer, Jackson.
1: You probably. And she would serve 10 months for that. So, 18 months total. Mm-hmm. That's meanwhile... It, that's a long time, really, when you think about it. Oh, yeah, and it's not even over yet. So,
0: um <laughs> Oh, God. Meanwhile, her divorce from Stork was not settled. Part of what she wanted was $500 a month in alimony. Instead, because she just fucked... <laughs> it had been widely suggested that Stork Hadida committed to an insane asylum. Oh boy! And oh it, boy! Right, and it is suggested that in 1901 she escaped that asylum.
1: Where the hell's a movie about this? Fuck Marvel! I want the crazed writers of the 19th century cinematic yeah, universe <laughs> where they all team up and fight Martians.
2: There's, look, I think it just speaks to the you know, in a kind of a distraction hole tangent. It speaks to the. Uh intellectual brain depraved drain. What am I trying to think of The Lack of creativity in Hollywood that this, this, and there was another one about like the, the former slave who like ended up stealing a Confederate boat and like, Oh yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, Smalls I think was his last Mm -hmm. name. Yes. But yeah, there there aren't movies about these motherfuckers Uh, get like the, they're, they're remaking like Harry Potter. And they're they're remaking like <laughs> they're trying to redo. Oh, uh, what was the one I just found out? Uh, there's a movie that they're attempting to to remake.
1: Yeah, I know, and I was very mad about it. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, there's just
2: all these re- reboots and remakes, and it's like, do something original, motherfuckers.
0: Yeah, I, anyway. I would love to see this biopic, especially if you get like a yeah. really quirky director like Wes Anderson. Could you imagine (laughs) Wes Anderson doing (laughs) the story? God
2: damn it. Kevin has issues with Wes. I really do. Of course, Kevin has issues with Wes Anderson. Fuck you. (laughs) I like a few of his things. Like, I saw Grand Budapest. I thought it was Mm -hmm. fine.
1: I'd rather see Terry Gilliam.
0: See, like, this story is weird enough that, like, Wes Anderson could mine a lot from
1: it. Like, Bill Murray would
0: show up. Like, Bill Murray (laughs) would probably be the lawyer.
1: Oh, I was thinking he'd actually be the former California governor, but
0: you know, uh, something like that. But then have it done in that Wes Anderson's visual style, like, I, I, especially. Oh, you mean like, it's, boring it's like,
1: and symmetrical?
0: <laughs> I will go. I will choose to ignore that. Anyway, okay. Uh, um, with that said, though, this asylum escape may not actually be the case. Um, there's some evidence that she may have likely changed her name and moved to Laredo, Texas, eventually dying in 1941, but dying in an asylum in San Antonio.
1: God damn, That's you a- can take the nut from the nut house, but you can't take the nut house out of the nut. Dying in an asylum in San Antonio sounds like
2: the worst way to go.
1: I know. Uh, At least it was like a
0: 1940 asylum compared to like a 1910 asylum.
1: Yeah, but weren't they still driving around in the lobotomy mobile with like an ice pick and a mallet? Yeah, that's true.
0: But then also, like, I'm not sure if they mean asylum as in the like, woo, -woo or there's only
1: one kind of asylum. No, no,
0: no, not necessarily, because there were some asylums that were kind of like health retreats.
1: No, those were spas. That, that was a sanatorium. That was a sanatorium, not a sanitarium. Uh,
0: I, oh, yeah, okay, okay. But, um so so the strange thing is, like, you know, she changed her name and everything, right? Uh, supposedly. Uh-huh. Um, this figure who died in San Antonio was named Adelaida Hillis Jackson, the same surname of the attorney that she held at gunpoint.
1: Interesting. Yeah,
0: there's like a lot of weird stuff here, but like again, like I know that this was a tangent, but if anyone's yeah. going to like translate the story of La Llorona and bring <laughs> it to the US,
1: it, yeah. it's her. Definitely. Cuz again,
0: like we're talking about like themes, right? Um, you know, yeah. and then, like the the role of women and everything like that. Here here's an I, example of a tragic woman. A like tragic
1: Wronged woman writing about a tragic wronged woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, you know, w- with that said, let's go ahead and uh, talk about La Llorona, um, like the subject of our episode. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> finally getting around <clears throat> to that. Right. Um, it is likely that the origins of La Llorona predate Hispanic influence in Central America and Mexico.
1: This um, makes sense.
0: Mm hmm. For example, the Florentine Codex, originating from the early 1500s in Mexico, features a passage, quote, The sixth omen was that many times a woman would be heard going along weeping and shouting. She cried out loudly at night, saying, Oh, my children, we're about to go for forever. Sometimes she said, Oh, my children, where am I to take you? Hmm. So you have that. And there's also some other associations. So, for example... Um, uh, there, there's connections to potentially an Aztec god here as well.
1: Now, as you do. and Now, since this is paranormal and uh, it involves a woman running around screaming about children, how does a Aleister Crowley fit into this? <laughs> um, <laughs> just, just I curious. <laughs> I, don't
0: I don't think Aleister Crowley, Crowley ever visited Mexico, and I think Mexico is thankful for that. I I know I would the Just the smell, the sweaty anal sex smell of Alistair Crowley.
1: Oh, boy. The only (laughs) man whose breath permanently smells like someone else's asshole. The
0: the, the man would leave a snail trail just walking down the street.
1: (laughs) Uh, Mr. Crowley, excuse me, you appear to be dripping.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, it's magical fluid. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm going to make
1: cakes with it. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, yeah. Oh, well,
0: Alistair Crowley is going to be a fun one, but I digress. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, let's, let's get back to where we were. But, but for most interpretations and variations on the tale, it seems to become a symbolic representation of the exploitation of indigenous groups uh, by the conquistadores.
1: And that makes a lot of sense because there are so many stories in Native uh, North, Central, and South America involving people. Uh, Ghost women. Mm-hmm. There are tons. Speaking just from my grand great grandmother, who was Choctaw, she would tell me stories about that shit.
0: Mm-hmm. So I don't think we need to spend much time conveying the history of the conquistadores in the New World. Um, I think we know. Yeah. Still, like, long story short, since the 15th century, the Spanish would frequently travel to what is Central America and abuse the region's indigenous population. Um, this was often in the form of rape and forced intermarriage between conquistadores and native women, uh, when enslavement and outright murder weren't going on.
1: Yeah. Uh, basically the conquistadors were after three things, rape, gold, and bananas.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so if your high school neglected to teach you any of this, you probably had a shitty high school, uh, history class like those offered in Florida right now.
1: <laughs> uh, or you grew up in the 80s uh and I know in my schools we were taught that Europeans and the Indians we were all friends until the savage nature of the natives kicked in oh god i feel like i need a shower after that uh sorry yeah,
0: no and i i, I especially like um, cuz when i when i was growing up it was all like you yeah, know take the story of columbus um oh, i think boy. i think i had gotten to like middle school when, like, the discussion on Columbus began to change and it was more uh-huh. like, well, this yeah. guy is a real fuck-up and he did a lot of bad things.
1: Yeah, there's a really good, uh, episode, uh, series starting on our fake history about that very subject, so... Uh, head over to our fake history if you want to hear uh, Sebastian Major really lay down some fact about him.
0: I'm also yeah. going to throw out um, behind the bastards. He did like a three or <laughs> yes. four episode series always. on Columbus, which
2: Fucking is...
1: always behind the bastards. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. When we were, Kevin and I were in school, Columbus was still you know a, a great person. They talked highly of them of him, but. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Dan
1: Shortly, Carlin great yeah. man.
2: Shortly thereafter, though, is when the real shit started uh-huh. talked about. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say right around the two thousands.
0: Yep, right, yeah, because Columbus he he is a great man in the capital G, like someone who is the a historical
2: way, figure
1: who in the same way the Hitler was of one of the great men. Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, he, yeah. You know, he's a figure to be t- discussed, but not a figure to be exalted.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and He's, you know, I think Kevin, you mentioned yeah. Dan Carlin. Um,
1: yes, the his the Dan Carlin quote, great man.
0: Yes. AKA one of the greatest podcasters on Earth, Dan Carlin. Jesus
1: Christ, tell me about it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um... The general idea of the La Llorona story revolves around in a, like, like the origins of it tend to revolve around an indigenous woman who was, like, raped or forced into marriage by a conquistador and, uh, in turn, murders her children after he abandons her.
1: Like they do.
0: That's, like, a core, like, that's a core piece Mm -hmm. of the La Llorona story. Of course, there are a bunch of different interpretations, which we'll get into, but, um... Early documentation of the story of La Llorona is traced back to the 16th century in Mexico City with tales of a, quote, hungry woman uh, wailing for food. While not quite the same, this does indicate a larger archetype that we're going to talk about in a bit.
1: I think we could probably do a whole episode about Hunger Ghosts. Yeah, Hunger Ghosts for sure.
0: Now, now the key thing is that all of these stories reflect the reality of the people at the time. Starvation, exploitation, abandonment, sexual assault. This wailing woman, uh, you know, a cry of female pain and rage, uh, rage comes from a very real place. Through metaphor, truth and history are preserved through the centuries. Mm-hmm. Now... One historical figure most often associated with La Llorona and sometimes interpreted as the inspiration was the 16th century figure Malinque, uh, or I'm sorry, Ma- uh, La Malinfe, also known as Doña Marina. Hmm. Now, she was a Nahua woman, uh, Nahua, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's an I indigenous it's, group.
1: Nahua. I think it's either Nahua or Naha. Naha? I don't know. Yeah, which. I'm going to go with Naha. Naha. Yes.
0: So she was an Naha woman who was known for contributing to what would be the Spanish conquest of the Aztec Empire. Oh, boy. Serving roles as interpreter and visor for Hernán Cortés. She was a slave and later consort to Cortés, giving birth to one of the first mestizos in what would become New Spain. And I put Mm. New New Spain here in big quotes there. Um, Oh, yeah. Now, mestizo, um, that refers to... um, uh, the the interbreeding of mm-hmm. these two natives groups, natives and Spaniards, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Um, so she is a complicated f- uh, figure, um, both sympathized with and villainized, and it's not a surprise to see how might she she might get caught up in all the association associations with this idea of the Wailing woman.
1: Right. I mean, it totally tracks. Can also really hope cultural opinion doesn't affect your afterlife. Cause I'd hate to haunt our tequila section as El Blanco Nino.
0: <laughs> um, you know, and then thinking about this this figure of Doña Marina, um, when when I was taking uh, Chicano lit, there was a lot of discussion of like the Madonna horror complex,
1: right? Um, and that also plays into serial killers, but we're not gonna go into that. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, like the idea that she kind of serves as the originator of an entire culture but also simultaneously doomed a culture to a large degree it's very complicated
1: and also when that new culture is seen as an outcast to the original culture you've got this whole uh stigma on both sides as well Mm -hmm. so it's it's a it, it it's like being stuck between a rock and a turd really um
0: it's like Run DMC said, it's tricky.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you for that reference, by the way.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, um, so so there are many variations to this tale that carry specific interpretations as every region has its take and lesson to pull from the basic liar on a story. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to look at two texts here that give us a broad overview of the figure. Um, the first is Thomas A. Hanvier's Legends of the City of Mexico, and then the second is The Wailing Woman by Ida H. Aetis. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like a synthesized um, if you remember t- uh, your, your college English classes, you know, um, you know, a synthesis paper where you're taking two sources and kind of combining them into one thing. Yes. So in Hanvier's text dated to 1910, an encounter with her. La Llorona, is described as such, quote, seeing her walking quietly along the quiet street at times when she is not running uh, and shrieking for her lost children, she seems a respectable person, only odd looking because of her white petticoat and white riboso with which her head is covered, and anybody might speak to her. But whoever does speak to
1: her in that very same moment dies. Now I want everybody to remember that if you see her profile on Tinder. <laughs> Swipe left, please. Yes.
0: <laughs> um so you know that that's you know Hanvier's text is very kind of um very very simplified. Right? Okay. A- Aetis is more of like a short story. Uh, creates a much more of a character here. like um, Right,
1: it's it's more of um prose.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So, quoting Adis's text, quote, I fancied I saw a woman's figure stealing along in its denser shadow, and I felt a thrill of compassion for her as one of the poor children of the night. She was not to be seen when we came near the spot, but a moment later a piercing cry rang out near us, a long-drawn wail of suffering and horror. Damn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Adis' text is very, very well written. Um, now, she describes the narrator's companion taking her by the hand and running from the woman to their confusion. So uh, it, it's basically Adis' text when, when you listen to the supernatural uh, sources. Um, it's it's a frame story because you have the story of someone encountering this figure. Then we get the backstory of who La Llorona is and that sort of thing. Right. So, um, Adis's text continues, We were near one of the points where a watchman stands all night in the middle of the thoroughfare, and, following my companion's gesture, I saw the officer fallen upon his knees in the circle of light cast by his lantern. The great capuchin hood of his cape was pulled over his head, and every line of his figure betokened abject fear and horror. There was something uncanny in the sight, for the policemen of Mexico are not impressionable material. And through the silent, empty street, those dreadful cries still went ringing wildly, surely sufficient motive for such a display of terror. The sound seemed to float away, and down a by-street toward the equestrian statue of Charles the Fourth, growing fainter and fainter in the distance. "'Let us go,' said my companion. "'Yes, I am materialista, and I sneer at spiritualism and ghosts and phantoms, but—' Nevertheless, I think there is not a man or woman in Mexico who would not tremble at the voice of Luisa La Llorona.
1: Interesting.
0: Also creepy. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's a wonderfully creepy story. It's also very beautiful. Uh, it's very, um very tragic. Like you get the sense of romance in all of this. It's,
1: it's also very, it's. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's very, uh there, there's a certain passion to it uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to your more dry, creepy stuff like Lovecraft.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's definitely better prose than Lovecraft. And That's not hard. Yeah. Um, now, Atus's text provides a more complete sort of backstory to La Llorona. Notice uh, Luisa La Llorona. I noticed um, that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Claiming her to be Luisa Haro and establishing the year 1584 as her origin point, there is no historical evidence of this. What we have with Adis' text is a sympathetic and more feminist reading of the figure uh, who, who was spurned by the man who left her with children, who she witnesses getting married. In turn, she returns home and plunges a dagger into the chest of each of her small sons. Ah, now that That's a Thursday. It's a downer. It's a downer, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: So, yeah. So this quote from Adis' take says a lot to me. Quote, as the wailing woman ran that night, her cries aroused the city, and she was captured and recognized. When the dagger still clutched uh, with the dagger still clutched and her blood-stained raiment told a tragic story and gave the clue to the discovery of her victims, there was no penalty for man's inhumanity to woman in Mexico of those days, any more than in the present, and the poor, distracted instrument of crime paid all the temporal penalty in the case, while the actual murderer, in fact rather gained popularity. So,
1: you hear what's going on there, right? She was punished, and he got away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was a wealthy landowner and that sort of thing. And again, you know, that, that very kind of feminist reading of, like, there wasn't much... Um, there's no penalty for man's inhumanity to a woman in Mexico of those days any more than the present.
1: You know, so, interestingly, um, this kind of gives me a better view into how Zorro worked and why the idea of a rich man fighting for the downtrodden in that sort of society would be such a big deal.
0: Mm, Yeah. 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 I could definitely see that. Now, Hanvier's take is different. Oh, I bet. "Mm -hmm. The beginning of her was so long ago that no one knows when that, when was the beginning of her, nor does anyone know anything about her at all but it is known certainly that at the beginning of her, when she was a living woman, she committed bad sins. As soon as ever a child was born to her, she would throw it into one of the canals which surrounded the city, and so would drown it, and she had a great many children, and this practice in regard to them she continued for a long time. At last her conscience began to prick at her about what she did with her children, but whether it was that the priest spoke to her, or that some of the saints cautioned her in the matter, no one knows. But it is certain that because of her sinning, she began to go through the streets in the darkness, weeping and wailing. And presently, it was said that from night till morning, there was a wailing woman in the streets, and to see her, being in terror of her, many people went forth at midnight. But none did see her, because she could only be seen when the street was deserted and she was alone.
1: Now, this begs a very important question, real quick. Um, first off, how many babies would you have to drown before finally your conscience got to you? Because I'm going yeah. with one. I, uh, I think even
0: thinking about drowning a baby would be enough to get me to go like, no, that like I, I'm yeah,
2: being uh, a shitty yeah. person. I shouldn't pre- do that. Premeditating it seems kind of you know
1: yeah sus and and mm-hmm. second. I've never heard of a serial killer that had, you know, remorse. Hmm. Just saying. You never hear about, like, uh, John Wayne Gacy going, oh, I should have stopped at, like, ten. Yeah. But you know it's how like it is. like a can of
0: Pringles. Once you pop, you yeah. can't stop. Exactly. So.
1: That's what I was going to say. It's like Lays. <laughs> you, 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 nobody can have just one.
0: But, but we're, we're seeing what's going on with Han take here, yes. right? It is firmly like again this, this idea of the wicked woman.
1: Mm-hmm. In in which, the first story, yeah. it the the situation is put upon her by a horrid, uh, the horrid treatment by a man, and in the other one, she just a hoe.
0: Yeah, she just she just starts like popping out babies and drowning them. Yep. So again, like again, we have these two very different takes on the same tale with like different elements to him. Like so for example, mm-hmm. in Adas's text, it's it's a dagger. Right. In Hanvier's text, it's drowning in the canals.
1: Which ties back into the water thing you were talking about earlier.
0: Mm-hmm. So so these are like two, I would say, fairly standard interpretations of the figure that that show different associated imagery to the figure over the centuries, but also the more interesting, different acknowledgement of the plight of women between them. Mm-hmm. In one text, she is a sinful woman. In the other, she's a jilted figure who was exploited, took revenge, and is
1: more sympathetic. And they both murdered children.
0: Yeah, you know, they have that going for them.
1: Yeah, there's that. You know, these two could probably, you know, meet in the middle and be kind of okay with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, uh, it's interesting, you know, Mike, you remember we used to go listen to uh, Irish music, Athenians? Yeah. There's a lot of uh I don't know, I'm seeing a lot of like uh similarities, yeah you know yeah, and i I can as well, and
0: i I think uh I don't remember my entire script off the top of my head, but I think we do get a little bit towards the Fey here at some point okay, cool we'll, we'll get there so like any archetype, regionality comes into play and different interpretations develop, basically. At the core, we have a jilted woman who kills her children and then kills herself, um, usually by drowning. But what that means varies from region to region. Please note, not an expert here. This is what I'm pulling from a multitude of sources.
1: Right. And I just want to throw in, this kind of reminds me of black dogs.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, like there's, um, again, is there like one definite dog murder that we could trace (laughs) back historically? It's like, yep, that's the origin of the ghost.
1: Yep. Yep, it's, it's, it's a regional thing with variations, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the most associated region with La Llorona is Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, she's often evoked to convey anxieties about water and is often used to scare children into not wandering off. Right. Now, even within Mexico, different locales have different emphases and themes. Uh, Michael Kearney, in the 1969 article from Western Folklore, indicates some variations revolve around themes of error, deception and treachery, uh, abandonment, suffering and fatalism. Hmm. You have. Yeah, you have these different approaches. Right now, Guatemala has a localized version of a woman who had an affair and then drowned the resulting child she would then be forced in the afterlife to search for her murdered son near bodies of water to the cry of I'm a Again, the story is often told to children.
1: Yeah. This this is like being a child.
0: Yeah. Like being a child in, in like Mexico and Guatemala has got to be pretty fucking rad because you get ghost stories all the time. I'm just going to put that up in
1: Germany. You know, it's like, don't go in the woods or the werewolf will eat you. (laughs) yeah i just i wish i had that oh yeah just like watch out for the woman who will eat you if you go outside well in all fairness i grew up in the 80s in vicksburg and uh we had this whole don't go out and play or you know the crazy guy will come and kidnap you and drown you in the river Mm -hmm. because we had that happen
0: well we're also seeing like this is the fundamental reason why we see those tiktoks where the dude's like la llorona (laughs) (laughs) meoskia
1: or sorry
0: because you're grown up, you grow up being told, like, there is a woman who will drown you if you go by the river.
1: Yes, and then, oh Stay shit, away from grow by the river, here she is.
0: <laughs> um. So, so, Venezuela has a variation in which she is the spirit of a woman who died of sorrow upon the murder of her children, either at her
1: hand or at the hand of her family. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know. It, I don't know. It's it's just really difficult to make jokes when a woman repeatedly commits or is victimized by child murder. And um, should I just start making fart noises every now and again to lighten the mood? I think we need a soundboard. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think we need a soundboard yeah. yeah. yeah, sound at some point. You know, throw throw some uh,
1: like the Jar Jar Schwarzenegger
0: Banks. grunts, like a Tim, like a Tim Allen. <sighs> Yeah, or Somewhere like a
1: button that just, who's your daddy and what does he do?
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, so, it, you know, of course, like, the United States has its own version as well. So, in the United States, the tale takes more of an amalgamated quality of, you know, being said to children as a warning against playing near water and from wandering off too far. Again, kind of similar to some of the situations in Mexico. Right. Um, now... One thing I wasn't able to dig up much of yet, but was mentioned in like a paper or two that I read for this, um, is that some interpretations of La Llorona relate to the Chumash nation of Southern California, which links her to a creature known as the Nunasis. Um, Again, like I butchered (laughs) that pronunciation, Nunasis. Sure. Um, This entity features a cry similar to a newborn baby. Not unlike Fay Tales of Ireland.
1: This sounds so. This reminds me of Crybaby Bridges, where you go out at night on the bridge and you hear the cries of a drowned infant, like an infant that drowned, and you hear it crying. Have you ever heard of the Crybaby Bridges? I have not. Really, they're all over the country. You can find different bridges where, if you walk out at night, you hear a baby crying. Oh, I, I live in a I live in a desert. There
0: aren't a lot of needs for bridges in a okay,
1: desert. Okay, fair. But uh, that being said, I also just want to throw in,
0: <laughs> right, to lighten the mood a yeah, little bit. Yeah, because
1: fuck. But yeah, more infanticide. dead babies. Yeah,
0: and, or, and and here's the thing: like, infanticide is universal because, again, it's like you're, you're living. You know, on less than subsistence, like, yeah, I mean, food and a baby comes along, you can't afford to raise that child mm -hmm. in like
2: the 1500s. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, so I think it's discounted a lot that, uh, they're kind of in and you see it in nature too. Yeah, that you know, animals will regularly eat a baby, yeah. They'll, they'll eat, or somehow. Well, I mean, I'm sure they'll eat it in just every way because it's just you know free nutrients there. But, yeah, but i made Major. I'll take you back. It, it and it's kind of it's as terrible as it sounds. It is a uh. I want to try. What's it? evolutionary, you know,
1: boon? Darwinism.
2: Kinda. Yeah. To so here's the thing, one baby is just going to grow up to be, you know, one person. Or a person that can make babies can make more. Mm -hmm. So which one is kind of quote-unquote more important to the species?
1: It depends. You talking about here in the South? I'm I'm, I'm Mm. saying saying in a a macro
2: species. In an evolutionary sense. A a breeder is kind of... And we we, we do kind of have it, you know, ass-backwards in some ways. But I'm not gonna like, you know, diss on anybody for you know wanting to save their baby because you know. Yeah, yeah. No, just, no, totally. You know, but, 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 but yeah. Like, long
0: yeah. Long story short, every fucking culture has like here's the bridge where the babies are thrown. And, and
2: There's <laughs> also like a lot of you know postpartum shit that gets you mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, really you know maligned and mis you know understood.
1: Right, and I'm just gonna ask if either of you guys ever read a uh, really interesting pamphlet by uh, uh Jonathan Swift called uh, a modest proposal <laughs> I, I i Kevin I believe I've
2: heard of that pamphlet it's a pamphlet pamphlet pamphlet, <laughs> pamphlet. it's a it's got an f in there <laughs> it's a pamphlet it's got an f it's a pamphlet. I, I ass- it's a pamphlet i I
0: assigned that for my English 101 for a couple of semesters and the students
2: didn't really understand it, and it made me sad. <laughs> so is, I stopped assigning it. Wow. I mean, look, I was a shit teenager, and reading that, I was like, what the fuck is this? I read it, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, it's hilarious. Some jaded the funniest ass essays. Some it's jaded one of the funniest,
2: ass. Yeah. Just imagine some jaded ass college student reading it, going, whatever. <laughs> I've read worse on Reddit.
1: I've seen worse I, I was on Style
2: Project Thank you This doesn't go far enough We should like talk about Eating the child's mother Look, Yes yes But how do you prepare the child? What <laughs> seasoning should you use? It should be like the, Iron the, the, Chef Baby
0: The funny thing is That is mentioned Like how to cook the child Is <laughs> mentioned in the essay Oh that's true <laughs> the, pam- yeah, right. the, pamphlet, as about the pamphlet It's Kevin pronounced it The pamphlet The pamphlet
1: It's a pamphlet <laughs>
0: Pamphlet
2: there you go. Shut up. Of, culture, it's been a couple of It's been a couple of decades since I've read yeah. this proposal.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. now back to what we were talking about, which is yeah, yeah. infanticide every culture and has, ghost.
0: Yeah, every culture has its like baby disposal thing
2: that happens. <laughs> ghost so, <laughs> fantaside.
0: Um, yeah. So um, They have their I, own I'm, pamphlets. I, I, I did mention the fae, the and I bring this link up because as we've seen with so many culture, uh, cultures worldwide, similar archetypes seem to exist and develop separately from one another. Um, and it's in their differences that they feel more like linked entities. Right. Um, you know. It, you know. Even though, like maybe the the banshee is a completely different kind of wailing woman from La Llorona, it's in those differences that feel, makes them feel more real. Like, I've always kind of equated this to, like, for example, pyramids in Egypt versus pyramids in, like, South America. Right,
1: there's still pyramids.
0: Mm-hmm. But or, you know, it, it feels like they could be... There there could have been someone who gave them knowledge. Like I, I don't believe that like alien intervention, but maybe there was I I, I a don't know. Previous but,
1: culture. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Something in the cultural memory. Yeah. Or maybe maybe there was an architect who traveled the world sure. like Samurai Jack trained around yeah. the world like and titular Samurai Jack. Or Quetzalcoatl. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm 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 going to just go ahead and say it's uh, I hate to bring up serial killers again, but I mean, you know, there are a lot of serial killers and they all operate differently, but they all do the same thing. They all kill. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Um which gets to like I don't want to say there's like a genetic predisposition for serial killing, but there is like a cultural one that seems to manifest. Right. So um and anyway, um so it's in these differences that they feel more like linked entities. In that mm-hmm. sense, this archetype of the Wailing Woman is a cultural element that develops across isolated populations. Yes. So um, here, here are a couple of examples. So the Slavic Rusalka is one example of the Wailing Woman, about as far removed from Mexico as you can go. Yeah. Now, this entity also has regional variations, such as those in Belarus, Ukraine, Poland, and the Czech Republic. Interesting. Basically, the Rusalka are drowned, vengeful spirits of women who either committed suicide or were murdered, often due to an unwanted pregnancy.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, again, this is like... If you're a rich landowner in like 14th century Ukraine, right? And your mm-hmm. mistress, um, you know, is pregnant. Things happen. It's an unfortunate reality about how, you know, how women are treated at these times. Yes. So in the fact that like this develops into a story makes sense. Just like how this developed in Mexico. Hmm. So, you know. Fittingly, actually, we're covering this topic at the right time because usually the Rusalki were considered to be at their peak activity during Rusalka week in early June. Uh Uh-oh. For a time, it was a tradition not to swim during this time, lest you fall victim to one of these whaling water women.
1: Now, is that what the WWW in a URL stands for, is (laughs) whaling water women? So, I, I
0: was going to say that's what the pulse set, uh, setting of a shower head's for.
1: Ah, okay, because I was going to say, I'm going to go to wailingwaterwomen.google.com <laughs> and uh, try to find out that information.
0: <laughs> um, so here's another example. Okay. The land of whimsy, Germany, <laughs> <laughs> also features a folktale, Thy Weiss Frau that dates back to 1846 about a ghostly woman dressed in white, of which multiple other cultures have similar figures to her. The white lady stories often share elements similar to La Llorona or um, the the Slavic Rusalka.
1: So, die Weissfrau, that is basically the white woman.
0: Yeah, the white woman. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just um, trying to remember my German.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just again, like I know die or is it D? Is it D or die?
1: Uh, I think I've heard both.
0: Yeah, I think it's die because I keep thinking of that. Uh, Sideshow Bob had that tattoo, die, Bart, die.
1: Or, oh, or. or. <laughs> and it, it
0: would translate it to the Bart, the.
1: Yes. <laughs> or a deflator mouse.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: The flying mouse,
3: yeah. Mm hmm.
0: We also have the tale of Lamia in the world of the ancient Greeks. Um,. As Lamia was a woman who had an affair with Zeus, the ultimate (laughs) fuckboy. I mean, he is. He he is. is.
1: He is. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to turn myself into a goose and go after this woman.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Hera learns of the affair, smites all of Lamia's children, and then Lamia goes on to a long career of child smiting herself.
1: I'm just going to say it. Zeus is the John Legend of the ancient world. I was going to say Nick Cannon.
0: Okay, that too. Yeah, uh, like how many kids is that dude up to now? 18?
1: Uh something like that. I think I'm <laughs> one of them. There was a, there was an accident with a contraceptive and a time machine. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> um, you know, speaking of the Greeks, we also have some connection to the Sirens. Ooh. Now, according to a piece by Robert Barracat in a 1969 write-up in the Journey of uh, the Journal of American Folklore, um specifically, um Barakat associates the sirens with the Aztec goddess Coatl, and suggests Cihuacóatl is part of the inspiration for La Llorona.
1: Okay, I mean, that's plausible.
3: Mhm.
0: Yeah, I'm like again, I'm not going to dive too deep into that. So, um now, <laughs> oh, this is going to get fun. This is my oh, favorite okay. part of this. One particularly wild paper I found was by Ed Walraven, published in a 1991 edition of the journal Western Folklore, and it makes some pretty wild associations. I needed to share here. Okay. This was an imperative. I needed to share this. <laughs> okay. So, so here's the thing: um, folklore evolves, right?
1: It does. Yeah.
0: Like, like phantom black dogs, we see that like there's like some sort of evolutionary concurrent. Right. Version of that. Any any like folk tale has the right. way it evolves.
1: And I mean, look at Mothman. Mothman started as a figure of fright and has become like a LGBTQ plus icon mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it evolves. It's become I mean, people want him to eat their ass at a Denny's. Mm-hmm. Just at um, a Denny's. It's always Denny's, dude.
0: It's always Denny's. Denny's is open twenty four hours, and so's my ass for Mothman. Well, anyway.
1: But a waffle house. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man. I, I, you don't no, want no, to get your hands at a waffle house. No,
2: no, the Waffle House is like the Jersey Devil.
1: Yeah, no, I the could Jersey Jersey see... The Jersey
2: Devil's like swamp
1: baby my ass out. No, Waho. No, I got I got a I got a I got a quick and horrid hand job from the Jersey Devil at a Waffle House. <laughs> yeah, but, but Kevin, just
0: sitting at the counter,
2: sitting at the counter with Kevin, a joint I, just there aren't any Wahoos up in Jersey.
1: Yeah, but the Jersey Devil, he migrates. Mm-hmm. He gets around. I go down to Florida every year.
0: So, Wall Raven notes that variations of the tale of La Llorona in a more modern context of like 30 years ago, which is weird to fucking think about, right?
1: Yeah, um, it's still happening, yeah. Mm hmm.
0: Suggest a new haunting ground for La Llorona dumps and landfills. Okay. Why might that be? I don't know
1: dumpster babies hell yeah Woo! <laughs> dumpster babies fuck we are in the money now boys mm-hmm. dumpster babies they don't have dreams to come true <laughs> prom night dumpster babies you've seen that fuck, song man. right
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna get kind of wack uh wacky wackadoo wackadoo so oh, um boy. I, I just, I clipped, I wasn't able to like copy and paste this from the PDF, so I just literally had to take like a screen snip and paste All it right. in the document.
1: I see um, that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: One could argue successfully that placing an unwanted infant or infants in the trash, not drowning, may have become the preferred method of ridding oneself of them. For several reasons, this approach neatly addresses the shift in population to urban areas. It must be recalled that the population which has shifted to urban areas was a few generations ago rural in nature, not only in the United States, but also in Mexico and most of Central and South America. Right. It is hard to drown one's children in the bustle of a city without being noticed. The it's, facelessness of the big city also addresses the need for an, anonymity by those who would do away with their children. Uh, yeah, you had a you had a thought here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, it, it is pretty fucking. I mean, you know, it's pretty fucking hard to drown a baby in a puddle in in today's cities. I'm I'm gonna refrain from
0: making a comment because I feel like you probably could do it.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Maybe um, New Orleans.
0: Anyway, let's get back to Walrus. Yes, yes, here. please do. <laughs> please. Um, moreover, the convenience of municipal trash dumpsters with regularly scheduled pickups guarantees unwanted items will soon be, quote, out of sight, out of mind. The symbolism of the dumpster cannot be overlooked either. These unromantic receptacles stand ready to take whatever one does not want, that which is undesirable. A baby left in the dumpster is clearly a baby unwanted. Shit. So he's out of line, but he's right. (laughs) God damn it. Don't
1: Don't do the Anthony Mackie thing.
0: Right. While this is incredibly fucked up, maybe among the most fucked up things I have ever brought up on this podcast, it also makes a lot of sense as cultural tales evolve.
1: Yeah, okay, fair. I got two things to note about this. Number one, I didn't think we'd get to comedy in this one. Uh, Number number two, it's just making me wish I'd gone to my prom. (laughs) Fuck.
0: Um, how do you feel about this theory, Mike?
1: La well, um, Yorona the dumpster diver, baby.
2: Um. Well, yeah. I don't
1: know. It's <laughs> it's pretty fucked up.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> but he
0: posits that image of like why we might see La Yorona encounters in the city
1: because of dumpster babies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, I, mean I could see it. When when does she combine uh, with a with a raccoon? Fuck! Like it'll be a raccoon in a white dress screaming yeah, for babies. Uh, I don't
3: know.
1: <laughs> God, this is oh, so fucked up. I love this.
0: Now in my notes here, I put it gets even better though, but it it doesn't. It actually gets <laughs> a lot worse. It just
1: get, it doesn't get better. It just gets. Mhm. It gets though.
0: So I'm going to continue reading from Wal Raven's text here. <laughs> okay. Th- this is a wild fucking essay. You, you, <laughs> you gentlemen have to read. It's good. It is a good essay. <laughs> Very thought provoking, but also just what the fuck. <laughs> um, I don't get shocked easily. That's the thing. <laughs> but this did it, huh? Yeah this this is one of those where I'm like, Damn. should you have
1: written this? <laughs> You spent so you spent so much time wondering if you should. You didn't. You could. You didn't stop to think if you should.
0: Mm-hmm. So h- here we go with Wall Raven again, the psychopath. Um, <laughs> uh, he seems like a reasonable guy, so I'm, sure. I should put that out anyway. Sure. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> beyond abandonment and trash dumpsters, American children are also linked by other imagery to the ideas of garbage or refuse. Teeming refuse. One wonders. Teeming. In 1985, many parents were dismayed by the introduction of a line of children's trading cards, collectible, ironically, not disposable, called Garbage Pail Kids.
1: Son of a bitch. The cards depicted cartoon figures of the children. <laughs> oh, God damn Mike's just staring in shock. Fucking, oh my God. This motherfucker. Did not see this one coming, <laughs>
2: motherfucker? Did you?
1: <laughs> I didn't, honestly. <laughs> uh, I
2: so so David, you, that, that's a bit before your time, isn't it? Garbage pail kids. I did have garbage pail okay. cards. I was okay. wondering.
1: See, because I, I was collecting them when they were new. Yeah, um <laughs> God. Yeah. This now it's, so it's this, this beautiful is
0: that note about irony.
1: Ironically yeah. not disposable. So,
2: so, yeah. And, and and here's another thing, you know, there there's also like oh. the idea of children being disposable, you know, especially after birth, really really comes down to the Republican line, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the funny thing is I think all of us knew the joke about garbage pail kids was about dumping babies in a garbage can. Mm-hmm. When well, I know in my school we did because we all well, see a lot of us had older sisters. Here, here's but, the thing: I was um,
2: I never heard of garbage <laughs> ki- garbage kids. It was always toilet babies. What the fuck? Well, you hear the stories about like uh, okay, teen, we're teen somebody girls, shit a baby. Yeah, teen oh, girls yeah. like you have the baby in the toilet and just leave it there.
1: See that is that okay? Why isn't La Llorona going after that? Yeah, there, there's I've the never seen La Llorona seen in a high school toilet.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, climbing out of like, the, like, Sadako, out
2: to- of the TV. Yeah, Sadako. Toilet. Like, yeah. Toilet and a Denny's.
0: It, it just, it <laughs> oh, reminds God. me of one of my favorite lines from the Venture Brothers. Yeah. Dr. Venture saying, oh, who am I kidding? My looks are going down the drain faster than an unwanted pregnancy on prom night.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> right? Oh, um, God. Okay. Incredible show. Yeah. Um, but please continue with this god-awful man's ideas. Yeah. So, so,
0: obviously, you know... um Evidence, quoting him again, Evidence suggests the ghostly figure will appear. The folklore pump seems primed. The La Llorona legend is deeply ingrained in the Hispanic culture. The growing Hispanic population is moving to more urban settings. Those hearing stories of a La Llorona-like mother wanting to rid herself of her children will find abandonment in a corner dumpster in the city much more believable and appropriate to the surroundings than drowning. If La Llorona is looking for her dead children... She should turn up at the city dump if their bodies were left in a trash dumpster. Oral tradition seems to be ready to take baby in a dumpster stories into the realm of contemporary legends. I
1: hate this. I just want to get that out there. It's hilarious. It's insane, but I hate this.
0: But it, it just it also makes a lot of fucking sense in the worst possible yeah, way. It
1: does. I mean,
0: damn. Damn. Right. So, you know, there are of course other whaling women. We will get to them, um, you know, explore their stories more deeply in future episodes.
1: Okay, yeah, but this motherfucker's still linked La Yorona to Garbage Pale Kids.
0: Right. It's just uh, so I just I knew I had to kind of close things on
1: that. Is she where the garbage pale kids in the garbage pale kids movie came from?
3: <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Because they that. never went know. over how
1: they got in the garbage can. Are you saying La Yorona dumped them in there? I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just want to know, though, is
2: is the Wailing Woman's husband Wailing Jennings? Oh. Uh. <laughs> just a good old boy. You know, we, we've talked about throwing babies
0: in dumpsters, but that was by far the most disgusting thing I've heard.
1: God damn it.
0: Yeah. <sighs> um, yeah. So so dead babies. There you go. Um, <laughs> dead Babies and Wailing Women. If mm-hmm. we need a title for an episode. Um, no 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 I think La no, works as a lot your own while your own
1: is fine that way people know y- it's about garbage fail kids
0: right so um with that, I wrap things up here in a pretty tonally wild <laughs> episode
1: <laughs> this has been tonally inventive
0: mm mm-hmm. there's a lot more we could say about all of this but I also think it is good to maybe leave some of this open to interpretation and introspection. A lot of tough questions here. Um Why has La Llorona persisted? Uh, why does this archetype of the Wailing Woman exist in unrelated countries? And what does this say about how women are viewed historically? Is she a sympathetic figure? Was it bad for me to close out with a dis- uh, discussion of dumpster babies? Yeah. You know, <laughs> w- w- what do you gentlemen think? We've gotten kind of the end here. What do you think? Yeah.
1: Um, I think that you couldn't not end on Dumpster Babies, which sounds like a Jim Henson show, Right? like we said you were singing earlier. Mm-hmm. But seriously, the archetype is there for a reason. It is shared in these multiple cultures, and it is for some reason ingrained in the human psyche, along with the trickster and the hero. And for what reason, I have no idea so, other than an echo of the guilt men have for inflicting horrible things on women since time immemorial. So so you're saying that men get the
2: hero and the trickster, and women get the postpartum depression crazy woman.
1: Yeah, pretty much. That's, yep. I, I'm not saying... I'm saying that... Oh God! You're making it sound like I'm <laughs> saying that. I'm. That's, that's what she said, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, well no, because well, hey, the hero well, can let's be, let's a be a be woman. A... The trickster can be a
2: woman. Well, not not well, traditionally. Heiress. Well, not not you know, nor, not ninety nine percent of the time.
0: Well, you're both missing one of the major archetypes of women historically, as fucked up as it is, and that's the seducer.
2: Okay. Well, yeah. Fair. Okay. But um, uh, but that's that still dovetails into my point fucked. of. The 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 good attributes are men, and the 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 bad ones are women.
1: Patriarchy. I mean, I appreciate a
2: good seduction. So, well, but yeah, but seduction is typically considered a a you know appeal to vice and appeal to you know sin.
0: Also, Kevin, don't you ever fucking say that to me again?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if you ever that, but oh god, um. But, I, no, Mike, you are right. We have this horrible tendency to, in our uh, our mythology, assign uh, corruption roles to women. Yeah. The yeah. trickster is like a teacher. Yeah. The hero is no, no. the hero. Yeah, the, the, the trickster the, is like,
2: he may be kind of bad, but he's he's a bad boy, but, you know, he's, you know, he's oh, ha, like a ha-ha, laugh,
1: laugh. Yeah, or he's like, you know... The dude on the Harley that teaches you a lesson. Yeah. Meanwhile, the woman, it, it all boils down to Eve and original sin. Or Lilith. Lil, oh, mm-hmm. man. Here's, man, okay, you know what? We'll, we'll talk about that another day. I want to talk about some biblical stuff eventually because I've got a theory.
0: <laughs> we, we could probably do like a good deep dive into biblical books and oh, episodes,
1: we're, man. We're, we're gonna. I've got some shit.
0: So. so, 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 yeah, that was La Yorona. Um, hope it was <sighs> a- enlightening and also, again, like a really weird, tonally strange episode because we have a fascinating human interest story. We have this like interesting archetypal figure, and then we get to the fucking garbage pail kids, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> fucking dumpster babies, and garbage pail kids, and La Yorona <sighs> popping up like a, a shit covered, uh, sadako out of, out of a toilet. Motherfucker. Oh, wow. Wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> so thank you for listening, everyone. This may be the last episode, considering how badly this went. Uh, but we want to say how much we appreciate all of you, not just our patrons. We appreciate all of you. Have you been listening to this show? Holy crap. I didn't really think we'd get listeners. I was just doing this because it was fun, and I wanted my friends to be involved. And uh, thank you, all no, of no. you.
0: We're creeping close to episode 100 at this point, right?
1: We are we're like this is like episode 77 I think. Mm. Holy shit. You we know, are. while yeah. while
0: we're at that then what I want to do is I want to ask our listeners who are like on the Discord um if you go back and re-listen to some of the older episodes, find moments that you really like cuz I think I for episode 100 I'd like to do like a best of.
1: Oh yeah, we should do like a partial clip show. Mhm. Yeah. And uh talk about doing the show and things we've learned and things we wish we hadn't learned like Right own and Garbage Pail Kids Right So uh, Again, thank you for listening uh, If you'd like to find out more about the show or uh, take part in our community you can find links to all that fun stuff at supernatpod.rocks You can find us on mastodon at supernatpod at horrorhub dot club and you can find links to our individual personal Masto accounts in the bio for that account. Uh, David, have you got anything you'd like to plug this week?
0: Yeah, like, number one, if you want to come after me for this episode, uh, <laughs> come get me on uh, Mastodon, motherfuckers. Um, but no, um, you know, I'm I'm doing comics and stuff again pretty regularly. Awesome. I'm going to be updating Cosmic Dash pretty consistently for the next few weeks because, like... Um, I'm at like a, a break point in the anthology story, yeah. So you know, it's um, I'm very excited about this weekend's page that I'm working on in particular. Um, you know, it's I'm, I've planted a lot of seeds; they're starting yeah. to kind of like bloom. So cool. yeah, definitely go to cosmicdash.com. Uh, probably Saturday night to check out this really cool new page I'm doing.
1: Cool. cool. So basically, if you're listening to it now, it'll be uh like on. Premiere day, it'll be up uh, tonight, or uh, it'll probably be up by the time you're hearing this. Whenever, yeah. Uh, Mike, what have you got to spotlight this week? Um, hmm. what do I
2: have? Nothing in the pipe. I was not prepared. Well, I damn, been, son, you got I mean, one job. I've been sleeping on the job. No. Well, no, um,
0: you've you've got something you're doing this weekend, which is uh, our next oh, distraction. Yeah,
2: I I will be hosting the distraction hole, so get your ear holes on the distraction hole. (laughs) It's the hole
0: full of ears.
2: Yeah, or the ear full of holes. Which is like a cryptid legend, like,
0: I heard tales of the ear hole, the hole full of ears. Have fun editing this, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks a
1: lot. I appreciate it. This can't be a hell of an editing job tomorrow uh fortunately i don't think i'm gonna uh have a problem waking up considering i'm probably gonna have another dream where we're trying to revive paul from the dead and cheech and chong show up on a old railroad pump cart
0: (laughs) first of all what the fuck secondly i'm like still recording like we didn't say goodbye or anything yep
1: nope no we haven't that's in there (laughs) we we still have the outro to do yep i know (laughs)
2: <laughs> like do we have like any X or anything?
1: No, no. No, that's that's on oh, we only do that weird. on Weekend that's, Weird, yeah. I'm sorry, we just do it so often. Yeah. So all right, so you didn't have anything to plug. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. We will see you guys next week for a weekend weird. And after that, uh I'm probably gonna be talking about the archons. Ooh. So until then, everyone stay safe and stay frosty. Goodbye. La Llorona? Night.
2: ¿Dónde es aquí? Ma, 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 Llorona. Aquí
1: es aquí. Es muy bueno. I just did my entire, the, everything I know in Spanish. En su casa. Look, what was it? Los pantalones es en la cima en su casa. The pants are on the two <laughs>